but a lot of affiliate managers, they'll take the lazy route. And what they'll do is they'll uh, pull a backlink report from a website, and then they'll just start reaching out to the places that have a link to you and say, hey, you're already linking here. Why don't you join the affiliate program and make money from it? That hurts the company's organic search, and it makes them have to pay commissions on every sale. At the same time, that webmaster should be making money. So it's a catch-22. This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network. Available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, 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 business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Today we want to talk about links. Now, links are good for the most part, but sometimes we might be running across spammy links. What's a spammy link? Do we need to care about it? Um, do we need to do anything about it? Do we disavow it. I don't even know if that's the right term or not. So I brought the expert, an expert on the topic to come on the show. I ran across him. I don't remember what social channel, but there was um, a discussion going on or he was sharing something on spammy links. So I wanted Adam Reamer, who is a marketer uh, and who runs his own agency to come on the show and fill us in. What do we need to know about spammy links? Should we care? How much effort do we put in it? And what if I don't put any effort into it? That's always what I like to know. What's the easiest path, the least, the path of least resistance, as they say, to winning? Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to see you. I really appreciate you making the time. Now, um, it's I, did it start on Twitter? You were talking about spammy links. It may have been, or maybe it was on LinkedIn, but you were talking about it somewhere, and I thought this guy has to come on the show to talk about it <laughs> i end up in conversations about that in a lot of places i've uh, written about it on search engine journal talked about it at uh, shows like pubcon and big digital adelaide in australia as well as i think i oh yeah i talked about it at advanced search summit which is now digital marketers organization affiliate summit and um everywhere from croatia to like australia so, and that is probably where I read it on the Search Engine <laughs> Journal uh, site. Certainly, I, I checked that out here and there. Now, first of all, tell us about spammy links. What are they? Why do we care about them? Okay, so a spammy link, a lot of people assume a spammy link is just going to be something that's flagged by an SEO tool. But a spammy link, you want to look a bit outside of the tools. And for me, the way that I'll define a spammy link is something that's not naturally occurring that's pointing from a website that doesn't necessarily have an audience that would be related to your website, your product or your service, or it's a website that participates in link wheels, link exchanges, reciprocal linking, or sales links. That's what I would consider a spammy link. And that's very interesting. What is, um, what's a sales link? Like they're just like, it goes to something that people can buy or what does that mean oh a sales link isn't that what you said sales link oh if there's if if so if there's a website out there that yeah. talks about um 10 different topics and none of them are directly related to what you sell or your service 
then there's probably no real reason for them to be linking to you. So I would consider that spammy. Got it. It it has to make sense, right? I mean, that's ultimately what you're saying. If I'm linking to a website about content strategy software, um, I should be talking about that somehow. I'm not just linking to it. Um, Correct. And the site the linking to your, oh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, and the ahead. site linking to you, they should at least have a marketing or a business or an e-commerce section where they actively update and talk about it. If they don't, and everything else is just about like, here's how to groom dogs and here's how to take a photo, it's not relevant. There could be one or two small articles, but it's still a pretty spammy link because your audience isn't there. They're not reading it. Very and interesting. And then you, the other phrase that I heard, and tell me if I heard it incorrectly, but something to the effect of they're not naturally happening. What's the definition of that? Like, so for example, when I'm writing articles, right? I link to all kinds of things, sometimes internally, sometimes other, but I link to things that to me make sense. So for example, let's say I can't make up an exact example here on the spot, but let's say I'm writing about topic A and part of topic A, topic B fits in there, but I'm not gonna write an entire article about topic B, but I might link to somebody after I mention it, that makes sense. That's natural, right? Correct. So the and you mentioned a different type of link as well. There's an internal link and a backlink. A backlink is a link from somebody else's website or property to your own website. And the internal link is a link from your own website to another page on your website. Now, if you have a subtopic and it's not as topically relevant, but still important, by linking to a resource that further explains that subtopic, that's going to be a really good way to give or receive a backlink or to build an internal link. That way the person can keep reading or they can click through to learn more. And that's basically exactly why an internal link is developed and why a backlink would be given. It's very interesting. So when I, so let's, so it sounds like there's a few different use cases, how spammy links might happen, right? Some of them might, tell me if I'm wrong, but just kind of brainstorming a little bit out loud here. Some might happen um, because the creator is working with somebody and they're exchanging links, right? So that's one way. Um, another way might be somebody's just linking to me and I have no idea why they're doing that. Is that, does that happen as well? Or, or is it always, is there some involvement typically from the creator? It could happen any number of ways. So there could be a situation where somebody's paying a link builder to go out and get a bunch of links. And since you're in that niche in that circle, they have to link to a bunch of websites. So they hopefully don't get caught and you can get stuck inside that grouping and you didn't actually do anything. Other times you could have a competitor that thinks a million forum and blog comment and guest posting links is going to uh, hurt you. So they start building it. The good news is Google's pretty good about detecting those and you don't have to worry about them anymore. I kind of stopped disavowing for the most part because Google got really good at detecting it. As far as internal links go, the, when people spam those, they normally when I'm referring to spam on internal links, it's because they're trying to keyword and stuff an internal link in to build site structure and pass authority. So if you have a page that has a lot of backlinks on your site, you could build an internal link to another page on your site. And this is the worst word to use. And I apologize for everyone that's going to cringe, but link juice or authority gets passed through that internal link and helps to boost your page. It's something we do regularly with e-commerce sites because there's only so much copy that can go into a product or a collection or category page. 
Now you'll have people that say, okay, well let's rank sculpt or let's try to build more and spam it. So they'll just force a keyword in that they could build the internal link off of. And if it's not coming naturally, it's going to be pretty obvious. It may work, but you also eventually will get penalized for it or a branding person will come on and they'll tell you it's time to remove those, which they should. And at that point you just lost your site structure and now your uh, organic may start to fall because you've changed the way your site exists and the way that search engine spiders can uh, crawl through your website. So you really wanna not do it in a spammy way so that it's lasting and can be an evergreen strategy that provides continued success for your company. It's just a very interesting topic. And certainly, as you mentioned, Google gets better and better catching those things. So if somebody, um, I mean, what are your tips on how to avoid spammy links? I mean, it seems like some of them some of them are easier than others and some maybe it's time we don't even have to worry about them anymore. So there's a lot of things you can do. It just depends on your situation. For example, if you notice you have one or two pages that are always getting hit with spammy links because a competitor is trying to build links or attack you, you can foretend those pages and remove them or you can redirect them off of your site somewhere. You can also remove them from your sitemap and you can add a no index follow meta robots. There's a lot of ways to address it that way. If you're really concerned about a lot of links hitting your homepage, for example, you could technically disavow it. And all you do is use a tool like Majestic or you use SEMrush or Hrefs or any of them that pull a list of backlinks and you just upload the URL for the domain you wanna disavow, load that into Search Console. You have to make sure though, that you always keep a record of that same file because if you try to upload a different file, it's gonna replace the original disavow. The other thing you wanna do is to make sure they're actual bad links. If you, cause you could accidentally disavow a good link. You can always re-upload your disavow sheet without that one and now it may start to count again. It's just disavow can get tricky if it, you overdo it or don't do it right. And how do I know I mean, you just mentioned, you know, maybe you picked the wrong one and, and it's actually not a bad link. How do you know it's a bad link? I mean, what's the what's the process to go through there? The process that I use, which other people will disagree with, I do a few things. I first, I look at the article that was written. Was it fact-checked? Is it written by an expert? Are they using sources to places they feel are trustworthy or authoritative? And if that all checks out, then chances are it's going to be a pretty good link. Then I can open up the website and I can say, okay, do they have links off to Viagra and porn and um, gambling and other stuff? There's the P's of marketing, uh, porn pills, and I forget what the other one is, poker. And uh, basically, if they're linking out to those types of sites too, chances are it's spammy. If they're not, then I'm not going to worry about it as much. And then I also look to say, is there a category that's directly relevant to the website that I'm managing that they are linking to. And if yes, I'm going to say, okay, there's an actual reason why it makes sense to have a link from this site. And I'm not going to consider it spammy. I don't really consider domain age or traffic a sign of spam because every site has to start somewhere. And sometimes really old sites are not actually very good sites. They're just mm -hmm. old. And I definitely do not rely on things on tool metrics like toxicity or domain authority. Those are just made up by the tools. They're a good indicator on what might be spammy based on the uh, ecosystem of links, but they're not run by the search engine. So you've got to use your own common sense when you're evaluating. 
is there a natural reason why they should be linking to this page and to my site? And is it topically relevant for the person reading that page they're linking to me from? You could also find situations where you've sponsored contests or you have a partnership with like a nonprofit, for example. And when that happens, there could be a link given to you as a sponsorship. It's technically, there has been some form of exchange or partnership. So it's natural, but it's also unnatural. And it could also be considered paid for. So in each one of those, you're going to want to handle them differently. If there's some form of sponsorship, you want to use the tag on there instead of a nofollow, do like a sponsored tag. There's a lot of ways to handle it so it's not as spammy and you're still following best practices. I always like to um, learn about um, the different perspectives people have on on how to do anything. And I, I certainly have done that myself, right? I do things, I learn the best practice or I, I, I do what, uh, what people claim is the best way and then I find my own way. So when you just mentioned, Adam, um, others will disagree with, um, that always catches my eye. So I'll be interested to know which part of what you just mentioned, which makes total sense to me, and which is pretty much what I do, because when I get an inbound link, I go there to read the article, even if it's not for the reason to see if there is, even if the spammy link thing isn't my main goal, my main goal is, oh, I wonder what they have to say, and I wonder why I'm in here, right? So, um, so certainly I do that already. But what are some things, what would people disagree with and why? Actually, one thing that you just said, if it's okay before I answer that, yeah. is you go and you read the article. I love doing that too, because there's something that triggered that link to happen to my post. And oftentimes I'll see, okay, they're missing this and this. Cool. Now I can actually develop a resource for that on my site, because maybe I didn't write about that yet either. And that could attract more links, because obviously there was something interesting enough. The reason why people would disagree with some of the things that I said, because normally I recommend you don't do reciprocal linking and you don't do link wheels and you definitely don't do private blogging networks, but that's a lot of link builder strategies and that's what they focus on. And so they're just going to disagree because that's their bread and butter, whether or not it leads to a penalty or not, they're going to tell you one thing, I'm going to tell you another, you have to make a decision for yourself. And so it's just going to depend on what our business models are. My way to build links is to do it through creating content and feeding that content out to the media or feeding it to influencers and people that have a following of the media. So when they share something, local news stations or bigger news stations, they pick up on it. Then from there, it could actually feed out and you can boost that same content. Say, hey, we're getting a lot of exposure locally. Do you want to talk about this nationally? Look, there's been a thousand shares in the last... Uh, day, for example, and you can actually modify the amount of shares going on to make your case. If you advertise the content, people are going to see the levels climbing up over and over, and it's going to make you more appealing to the major media. From there, that's when you can trickle down into the bloggers and get some more links that way. So it's really just a process. I choose that way. It's the longer and harder way to do it, but it seems to be more effective and more natural because the links happen in a snowball effect where you can actually see it's a naturally it's more of a natural occurrence than all of a sudden you have 30 links from 30 blogs with no real reason yeah interesting and what's interesting about that answer actually i don't even think they disagree i think it's just follow the money right it's like if if i sell podcast services which i don't but of course i'm going to tell you that podcasting is the way to go it's the only way to go adam to build your business right but certainly um, that's going to be my opinion if I if I have that business. So it's a fine line on how you talk about it and how are you going to be authentic, um, giving opinions that don't just feed your bottom line. 
certainly we you know we all want to feed our bottom line but we still have to be authentic as well you know the one thing i was just thinking about as you were talking so we have the link juice i know some people will cringe as you said but you have that right and when greg gifford was on the show one of the most eye-opening thing he mentioned is for local seo you have companies that sponsor events but they don't get the link from the company page or the event page right because they don't think about it because there's no traffic but the but the seo for seo purposes it still helps even if there's no traffic but let's talk about traffic for a second do these spammy links is there an impact on traffic i mean i could imagine you know if you get if you get a link from a totally unrelated site and they have a lot of traffic for whatever reason i mean couldn't that crash your site or negatively impact your servers it could it just depends who you're hosting with and what the load balancer on the server is but if you're planning on actually growing a company you should have a host that can handle that so i've been through the ringer years ago and i learned don't go with cheap hosting i moved my personal blogs over to wp engine because they're set up for security and they're set up for handling that there's a lot of really nice hosting systems out there that are affordable so go with somewhere that can handle boosts and volume you never know if you're going to hit google discover for example and all of a sudden have 20,000 people hitting your site at once uh, we had a big hit a long time ago, and it did crash an e-commerce store on a major platform. But we were able to contact support there, and they got the site back up within 10 minutes. So you just you want to prepare for if and when it happens and be able to handle the bandwidth and make sure that your host can handle it too. If you're serious about a business, you're going to prepare for growth. You have to make sure you can handle it. And of course, you know, but those numbers, they can't show up, right? If you all of a sudden get irrelevant traffic. So instead of saying, hey, look at all this traffic. Oh, and by the way, if you're, you know, a B2B company, you might say, oh, our conversion rate just really dropped down. So you kind of either have to filter that out somewhere or just disregard it, I guess. Yeah, it just, it depends what you want to do. You can always block it. You can delete the page. You can redirect them to a different area. You can ask the website to take it down, uh, the link that's driving it to you. It's just, it's not really about links at that point. It's just about your business planning or strategy. Absolutely. Very, very interesting. Um, so we talked about the process of, of what to do. And, and certainly I would hope, and I've seen this actually happen before. I wrote about certain companies. I'm not in their affiliate program and they get a lot of traffic from me, right? So all of a sudden I get an email from the CEO saying, hey, we noticed we're getting a lot of traffic, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then we discuss other ideas, right, um, about what I just wrote about. But I didn't even know them, right? So certainly people look at inbound links, and I do too. But how much effort should people even put into this to, to look at what people are saying about them? So you have the PR angle to an extent, um, and then you have the spammy links angle. Um, is it even worth to look into that? Or would you just say at this point, you know, just let it ride? So we do affiliate management and we do SEO. So there's a fine line. And the thing that we try to avoid is we avoid replacing a backlink with an affiliate link when we can. Now, if it makes more sense to have the person as an affiliate, maybe they haven't written about us for five years. And so, yeah, there's a backlink that could help with SEO, 
but they have an active audience that reads the new posts on their website, not just the ones that do well with SEO, but they have an actual audience. And then say, you know, it makes more business sense to invite them in as an affiliate. But a lot of affiliate managers, they'll take the lazy route. And what they'll do is they'll uh, pull a backlink report from a website, and then they'll just start reaching out to the places that have a link to you and say, hey, you're already linking here. Why don't you join the affiliate program and make money from it? That hurts the company's organic search and it makes them have to pay commissions on every sale. At the same time, that webmaster should be making money. So it's a catch 22. Do you wanna shoot yourself in the foot? Do you also wanna make sure the people that talk about you are making money? It's, you have to make the decision for your business. I prefer to keep backlinks intact unless we're going to make more money off of it in the long run. I think what's interesting about that topic too, actually, I know now we're going down a little bit of a different road here, but um when you reach out and or when a link is working right who says the link is going to stay there forever and ever right i mean depending how you reach out maybe you might say hey that is super rude the way they reached out right i'm just going to take down the article i would not take down this particular article because a lot of people read it right and it's actually interesting and i might update it so i don't i don't know what i i don't know what the answer is either but certainly I would recommend this to everybody. I will die on this hill until somebody shows me proof that I'm wrong. Do not accept free product from anybody ever, period, because you will have to pay taxes on it if you're in the United States. Now, if anybody disagrees with that, let me know. Show me the code. But that is my opinion. I'm not your personal finance advisor. But that's my tip. Um, so really briefly here, though, is it still worth it to actually check um, spammy links and do something about them? Or are we to the point now where Google just, you know, eh, we know what's a spammy link and we will just ignore it? Um, or, or how much time should you put into that? So I'll give you one before you answer that. I'll give you a quick example. The return on my effort to read articles that talk about me, I would say it's pretty high, right? Because I understand what people are saying. I understand what What's going on, whether they're spammy or not, is irrelevant. You can still you still see what's going on. So the ROI, ROE, is relatively high on that. But then, you know, moving that further down the line, disavowing them or whatever, is that still worth it? If it's going to, if it's part of a, a link wheel or a link farm, then I'm probably going to say, and it's a newer one, then you may want to disavow. But for the most part, Google's going to know that it is. If it looks like you are actively participating and you're the one who's engaging and doing it yourself, then you may have a problem. I would go case by case. And if it's really bugging you, disavow doesn't take that long. I just, in recent years, I haven't seen a need. It's always case by case seems to be the answer to a lot of things. And certainly, you know, I hope, hopefully we gave you a, a big enough of a set of information here to think about it and how you want to tie it into your strategy. In the last couple of minutes here, Adam, tell us, um, certainly people can hire you. What, wh who are your perfect clients? What do they hire you for? How can you help them? Uh, it's clients that me or my team feel really strong about. Like we have to be in love with your product. Otherwise we're not going to be able to do a good job for you. You have to have something interesting, something that's niche. And even if it's boring, we might still feel motivated. We work with quite a few boring companies. And I know that they would actually say the same thing. It's like the product isn't sexy, but my team and I think it is. And we're all like, I have a client that's been with us for, actually, we have three clients that have been with us for nine years. And 
it's the one only has three services and we're still coming up with new ideas, new markets. So that's just, if we feel inspired, we're going to be able to do a good job for you. If we don't, we can't size of the company. We work with some people, some companies that are two and three person shops. I also work with some companies that are in the fortune 500. So it's really just how motivated we are. We are. And if the teams get along. Boring is relative anyways. I watch baseball on TV every night during the baseball season. And my father-in-law would say baseball is the most boring sport to watch on TV. And and I, I can hear, I can feel him, but you know, it is relative. Now, the one thing you forgot to mention is what kind of services do you offer to those companies? Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, so the big thing that we do is digital marketing strategy and even offline strategy and integrated marketing. And it's all based on the return on investment and how we can maximize the long-term success and sustainability. A lot of it is through organic search, through email marketing and win back through affiliate management. And we do top funnel affiliate management. We don't allow the interceptions at the last second or through adware applications. And we do a lot with the PPC and the media teams to help share that data through. And yeah, that's kind of what we do. Fantastic. Really great. Really great to have you on the show. And um, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. And my blog is adamreamer.me if you want to check it out. Hope that's okay to Ad say. Absolutely. Adamreamer.me. <laughs> and uh, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Jeremy Wolf will join me. Uh, fits very nicely with today's topic. We're going to be talking about why your strategy needs to start with a website. Yes, you should have a website. That's another hill I would die on, even if it's just a pretty simple one. But it's easy enough. We've covered that topic before, uh, and we'll cover it again tomorrow with a slightly different angle. See you then. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.